Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key, and this is episode 105. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm back at home. And the one thing I, I just realized, and I've been doing this for over 100 episodes, and I'm only just realizing in my introduction that I say, we discuss video games, movies, all that. I'm like, who's we? I'm like referring to myself as more than one person. That would make sense on like a a multi-person podcast. But I I also feel weird saying, welcome to the podcast. I discuss everything because I don't know, in a way, because I guess the Outbreak podcast in itself is a brand. I almost consider it more than one person sometimes. So I'm not going to change the intro. I just was thinking about that as I was saying it. And I'm like, oh, I, that's weird that I, I do refer to myself as, a, as more than one person. I'm like an LLP, I guess. Outbreak Podcast LLP. Getting away from myself, because you know me. I like to go on the tangents. How's everybody doing today? Uh, I, I didn't realize this until the, this week of the recording, but this is technically I, I, the unofficial, official three-year anniversary podcast of, sorry, uh, didn't really uh, play that up very well. And it's funny, the only reason why I'm doing this now and not on the day, which the reason is because I don't actually remember the day. This could have easily been uh, solved by going back through the records and finding out the day that the podcast started. My best guess is that it is this week sometime. I think it's February 12th. Part of me also thinks it's the 15th, but I may also be confusing that with an old channel, uh, Stardust Drive Productions, that I started, which I did start uh, on February 15th of 2012, many years ago. So it just so happened to line up that Valentine's Day and then around that time is when I started to kick off creative endeavors. And this podcast is no different. So in in celebrating a, the three-year anniversary podcast, I'm not doing anything special aside from doing a regular show. Uh, but I thought I'd also kick this sort of life update discussion just talking about the fact that like my word you know uh, i would have said this two years ago and i would say this four or five years in but like again i i did not expect that i would still be continuing to do this post 100 episodes and in three years in i mean i think it's easier to do than to have done some of my past endeavors because i am relying so much on myself to do this but it's the commitment and, and continuing to bring myself in week to week that is, has been the challenge. And as you know, I mean, for, for a one-person show, I haven't had a perfect record in terms of how many times I've been able to come to the table and do this. There have been a couple of weeks, multiple weeks sometimes at a time that I haven't been able to record this. But I always bring myself back to doing this. And I think part of it is because... You know, I have been doing it for so long. It's now just become part of, like, you know, how like when you, when they say it takes like 21 days to build a habit, I think that is the case with this, although it was a lot easier to build this habit. It really took me, I'd say getting well over eight to nine to 10 episodes in that I realized that like, yeah, this is something I can do. Like I'm just picking up the, the microphone and recording, but I think the, um, the influence from joining a bunch of different podcasting communities, um, meeting a whole bunch of people within the space and people doing similar shows to mine, and then watching new shows blossom, um, new sort of um, multi-show like channels like 
referencing carpool gaming, referencing uh, save the game media, watching them sort of blossom and take on a bunch of new hosts and new shows. Like there's so much content out there to digest and we're only, you may only be scratching like the surface and there's so much more like you could, you can find what I'm doing basically anywhere else. And the whole idea of coming to listen to me do a podcast is it's more for the personality. I would hope that if you are listening to the show that you somewhat like my personality enough to kind of stick around and listen to what I have to say. Otherwise you would have already moved on to a different show by now. So for those people who are listening and are longtime listeners, longtime fans, I appreciate you. And thank you so much uh, for sticking around with me for this long. I had a pretty big uh, task that I did this week, and I did this yesterday at work. I finally decided to to uh, unlist all of my old videos from both my Will173 and Stardust Drive Productions YouTube channel. I realized that I'd kept those up for so long, and they were public, and you could see them, and it's like... I look back at some of those videos and sometimes I can't even get through just one of my old videos without cringing at least once. And it made me realize that the person that was in those videos, like looking at Will173 from like pre-2012 to even Stardust Drive six or seven years ago, I'm not the same person. I don't even really know that person from a decade ago, which is crazy to me. It's crazy to me. I am the same person, right? But as you get older and as you as you start to mature a bit, you change, your interests change and you know, the way that you this the way that you speak, the way that you think, the way that you articulate your thoughts and and the people that you surround yourself with, that changes over time and it sort of builds you and and life in itself and becoming an adult molds you into the person that you're meant to become. And I look back at some of those old videos and I often think to myself like, wow, like I really had it easy back then. Uh, you know, I had the weight of the world on my shoulders with just my own stress and anxiety. I had no clue um, with YouTube in particular that I, I like, I thought that I was in it for the money. And then I realized years and years later, and, and it it's become relevant doing this show that this is not for the money. Uh, if you're chasing something for the money, you know, you're never going to be completely satisfied with what you're doing. Uh, I was actually listening to an interview with um, one of my my idols in the video essay uh, department, Jacob Geller. And he did an uh, interview on a podcast that I just started following called The Games Press. If you haven't listened to that one, you should listen to it. It's the main guy and his name is escaping me right now. He is one of the co-founders of People Make Games who kind of go into the sort of like deeper, darker games journalism and sort of cover the developers behind the games. And and he's done an interview. He's got about 12 episodes out so far and he's interviewing people within the space, journalists, developers, industry folk. Um, and Jacob Geller, of course, is somebody that I've talked about a couple of times on the show and he's a popular video essayist who talks about video games. He talks about... Um, religion, architecture, politics, uh, and it sort of blends his own personal experience and his takeaways and themes and, and, you know, and discusses it through video games. And he was talking about the fact that, like, you know, he loves to do what he does on YouTube um, because it's not about the money for him. It's because it's an avenue for him to be able to express himself creatively, you know what I mean? And so uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I think that it can be hard at the beginning. Um, and I know I've talked to some friends in the past who, you know, they, they joined Twitch because they wanted to become a Twitch partner and they wanted to make money. But then they dropped off so quickly because they realized that they were not getting the growth that they thought they'd be getting. 
and so they quickly dropped off or they just stopped streaming altogether because there's this pressure and and I've tried it I've I've done Twitch streaming as well there's this pressure that to perform and to to act all the time much like the show but on a, a Twitch streaming platform you're you're meant to put as much time as you can into the platform otherwise you're not going to see potential growth and there's streamers that go on for six to eight hours at a time and you know and they're they're on they're performing all the time and they have a live chat and they're making money and that can be exhausting right that's that's more than that's almost half your day that's dedicated to just sitting in front of a computer talking to faceless people on the internet what I'm getting at is that if you're doing that and you're trying to put as much time and effort into streaming and you're really only bringing in like one to 10 viewers at any given time per stream, you really do have a lot of those periods where you're just kind of talking to yourself. And I don't know, it can be a little um, disconcerting. It can be, it can really like sway you away from like saying, why even, why am I even bothering doing this in the first place if I'm not seeing that growth? But there are people, the ones that push through, they either push through through like some form of being shared around on the platform or just overnight success or even just a steady growth over time. Like it's not meant to happen overnight. I'm no expert on an overnight success. You know, I I certainly didn't get videos that, um, you know, raked in millions and millions of views. I'd say the, the highest viewed video I think I ever had came in at like 60,000 or something like that on uh, Stardust Drive. And so that does not make me a viral success. That was all growth over time. It was not an overnight blow up. But yeah, I mean, I think that in order to sort of play in this game where you're you're being creative, you're also expressing yourself in a creative manner, you have to stop thinking about it in terms of a monetary gain or a monetary value that you're getting from it and only really tackle it if you feel you'll enjoy it and that you're getting some sort of personal satisfaction from it. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to want to continue to do it or you're going to you're going to burn out, fizzle out pretty quickly. I think that's part of the reason why I'm still doing this is because I, I, you know, and I want to continue to grow and explore different avenues. You know, I've got ideas kicking around all the time that I just put off because sometimes I'm just not in the, the headspace. But then there's times where I just wake up one morning and I just sit down and do something and I do it much like writing a blog or start starting up a YouTube channel or just anything like that. Anyways, getting away from that, that's sort of in terms of celebrating the fact that I, um, you'll no longer be able to see any of my old YouTube channel videos. If you, if you were watching it, I can still see it because I have the account uh, login. I can watch any of those videos. I, I don't really feel interested in doing so. But yeah, that, that part of me is, is no more. That is the old me. And this is the new me, the 2023 me, uh, which does not want to reflect on his cringy mid to early 20s days. I think we all want to kind of put that to bed. Let's talk about what I have been experiencing the past week. Of course, uh, you know, I'm still grinding through some of the, the ones I've been grinding through for the past couple of weeks, including Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. Let's just say I am currently at the final boss. I'm facing a young Xehanort. And, oh my lord, the, the thing that's so unforgiving about this game, and I was trying to explain this to to somebody at work um, that I was talking about Kingdom Hearts with, is that in this version of the game, because you're going through Sora and Riku's stories, you are fighting a boss on each side. But when you get to the final world, you are essentially fighting Ansem twice, 
as Riku, and then you're fighting Xemnas once as Sora, and now you're fighting young Xehanort. So you're basically doing the equivalent of three or four final boss fights in the span of, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, if you can beat them on the first try, which I wasn't able to, and it took me at least a dozen or more tries to even beat Ansem and Xemnas. Uh, but now I'm at young Xehanort, who's proving to be unrelenting in his you know ability to kick my ass within the first 10 seconds of me fighting him and it's almost enough for me to want to put the game down entirely um you know i've kind of taken myself to as far as i can go but i guess we'll find out by next week if i'm still playing this game or if i put it down i've already started looking into other games to play so i don't know how much longer i really want to put into this i did end up starting the kingdom hearts x back cover movie so I might actually move away from that and try a fragmentary passage once I finish that. And that might be where I'm leaning, at least for the next uh, thing I'm playing. And then part of me wants to go back and, and finish Control, but I also want to start up either Life is Strange or Bug Snacks. Those two are on my list next to play. But PlayStation Plus this month is actually looking, it's shaping up to have pretty solid releases coming down the pipe. We've got Scarlet Nexus, we've got Horizon Forbidden West, uh, The Quarry, Resident Evil 7. Like, there's some pretty solid entries coming to PlayStation Plus. Like, I've already played The Quarry and Resident Evil 7, but still, if they have the VR mode, I now have the PlayStation VR headset. That would be a really cool game to experience in VR. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if I actually do uh, take the plunge on that. Otherwise, I did finish Too Hot to Handle, Think fucking god um the couple that i thought was going to win ended up winning the money i really don't have much more to add to that i'm just so glad that i'm done that show and i really do not want to experience that show by myself ever again it is not the type of show that i can watch alone i don't know how my wife does this so she wa she watches all these sort of trashy reality shows by herself the only one that i think i can stomach at least by myself is the bachelor and even then, it's it's very lonely when you can't really share your thoughts live with another person. So it's it's kind of a sad, lonely road. And I guess Survivor to an extent. I could watch that by myself. But the newest show that I have started this week is called um, Junji Ito Maniac, which is Japanese Tales of the Macabre, which is this animated... It's my first anime series in such a long time that I'm watching. But I spotted this randomly on on Netflix. It came out on the 19th of January. And it actually, it takes Junji Ito uh, classic manga stories and adapts them into animated, like these animated 20-minute mini, mini shorts. So you've got 20 stories within 12 episodes, which means there are episodes that have two or three stories at a time. And yeah, it is quite unsettling. I have not experienced anything Junji Ito, but I am very aware of his work and I've seen screenshots and I've seen artwork that he's done and he has a very unsettling art style. So we got a brand new trailer for the flash and then we got some big game spots for ant-man and the wasp we got one for creed 3 another uh, big game spot for dungeons and dragons scream 6 um, a first trailer for the movie air which stars ben affleck and matt damon uh, based on the true story of the uh, founding of the air jordan sneakers at nike uh, we got an, a new trailer for guardians of the galaxy volume 3 a new big game spot for fast x Transformers Rise of the Beasts, uh, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So a lot of big trailers that dropped. And I think the ones that I want to focus on uh, specifically for this, of course, are The Flash and Guardians of the Galaxy. Those two, I think, had the most new footage, especially The Flash. That one, I think, was the most talked about trailer. Now, I didn't exactly know 
and this is a couple episodes ago when before James Gunn made his announcement in terms of his new DC slate, we had no idea what was going to be um, the expectation for the last couple of DC films that are supposed to be coming out. You know, Blue Beetle, Aquaman, The Flash. Uh, so once the slate was announced. It, and then we finally saw this trailer for The Flash. I think we better understood the relevance and the importance of this film dropping. We finally got some footage of Michael Keaton as Batman. We got Sasha Cal Supergirl in this trailer as well. We got some more of Ezra Miller as Barry Allen and The Flash, as well as his counterpart, which is some are, are speculating could be a reverse Flash scenario. But we don't really know. And, and it seems as though it is following the Flashpoint paradox. Uh, you know, he's trying to go back in time to save his mom in a setting that looks eerily similar to the Flash television show uh, version of his neighborhood and home. So I was like, that's that's a little unsettling there. His dad seems to be recast as a different actor completely as well. But they're moving forward. I mean, James Gunn has has put his he put his stamp of approval on this film. He says this is one of the best superhero films he's ever seen. And just watching the footage, you know, not even taking into account any of the drama behind the scenes with Ezra Miller, because you kind of have to put that aside to see what is in front of you in this trailer. It is a pretty spectacular trailer, everything that we get out of it. We have two Batmans, we have Supergirl, we have the Flash, two Flashes technically. Um, General Zod is coming back in a villainous role. But the thing that is still looming is who the main villain is going to be, which is rumored to be a Dark Flash or Black Flash. So that still has not been seen. But there's a lot of elements that are being introduced in this film. And this film is acting as a reboot of sorts and will kick off the new slate for James Gunn. So this film is highly important for this year and for the future of the DC uh, universe. I will admit, this is an exciting trailer. Like there is a lot going on. You get a lot out of this trailer. And we're months away from the film's release. And I, I think it's going to do well. And I think putting aside everything that's been going on with Ezra Miller, as I must remind you, I think that this film is going to do well in the box office. And I mean, speaking to some of the other trailers we got here, we got another spot for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as I mentioned. Seems to be a bit more comedy that was bleeding through this trailer. The first I had seen of some of the comedy, uh, including Kang confusing Ant-Man for Thor, which, you know, Ant-Man kind of played into. We got another big game spot for Creed 3, as I mentioned. So we're seeing Michael B. Jordan's Adonis Creed taking on uh, Damian Anderson, who is played by Jonathan Majors, who is the, the villain of this. You know, he's playing a villain this year. He is Kang. He is also the villain in Creed. So it's a big year for him as a villain. Uh, we got a brand new trailer for Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, as I mentioned, which is Chris Pine leading um, a bunch of actors, including Michelle Rodriguez, Rijay, uh, John Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, as well as Chloe Coleman, Daisy Head, and Hugh Grant, who are all going to be in this film. And it's essentially Dungeons and Dragons. It is a mission. They're assembling a team to undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic. Then we got Scream 6, which seems as though it's either a copycat killer. Or it seems like a copycat killer at this point because Ghostface has been unmasked several times in the past. We've got Hayden Panettiere is returning. Uh, Courtney Cox is returning. And some uh, characters from Scream 5 are also coming back to basically outrun Ghostface in the Big Apple. Um, so at this point, you know, 
Ghostface is not even hiding the fact that he's killing people. He's just out in the world, much like Michael Myers in the Halloween tri- the new Halloween trilogy. Everybody just knows that he's out there and he's a killer, and he's not even hiding the fact that he is this massive serial killer. The Guardians 3 trailer, you know, we got a bit more footage uh, for that. You know, I'm excited for Guardians as well. I think this is going to be... I don't actually know if this is going to be the end of the Guardians uh, post-Guardians 3. But there's rumors that, you know, we could get a new Guardians team assembled after this film. It's not going to be led by James Gunn. And most of the characters in this uh, trilogy probably won't even be returning for future Guardians uh, properties. We know for sure that Dave Bautista won't be. Like, he's already said that this is the last time he's playing Drax, so he's done with that. Moving ahead, you know, Fast X. I'm not a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise. You know, I think that, like, initially... uh, when the first couple of Fast and Furious movies came out, I was under the impression that it was a racing series. But then it kind of got away from itself and became this almost like superhero, supercar heist action film that is almost too ridiculous to even comprehend at this point. So there's that. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, you know, again, another franchise that I'm kind of like, I was never a Transformers guy. Uh, it seems to be following a new protagonist. Uh, we've got Optimus Prime, Prime is coming back as well. We didn't get any footage in this trailer. Well, I think we did a little, but the focus wasn't necessarily on the animals, which is technically it's supposed to be following the Beast, Beast Wars characters, but we got a lot of footage of P- Pete Davidson's Mirage, which, I mean, again, Pete Davidson just kind of sliding into those roles and nobody's even really questioning it. He's just there. And then finally, we got a game spot for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I think this is going to be great. I, I'm actually really looking forward to this. I think this will be the, a much better film, hopefully, than Christ, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I mean, I have all the faith that it will be. You're moving ahead, you know, that's all I really have to talk about in terms of the superhero trailers. We had a massive interview that dropped this week uh, over at Entertainment Weekly, where um, the one reporter, Devin Coogan, actually sat down with Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige to discuss not only the future of Phase 5 and Phase 6, but also the future of Kang, the future of the MCU. And there's a number of key points that that we... uh, I'm not going to go over verbatim the interview, but I'm going to go over a couple of points that were pulled from the interview of of major stories that, you know, kind of... Sorry, major points that sort of blew up into their own stories that I was kind of seeing all across the web. So, of course, Kevin Feige, I actually didn't see it in this interview. I did read it, but... I might have missed it. He did confirm yet again that Deadpool 3 will be rated R. He also did confirm that going forward, there are going to be less Disney Plus shows. They're going to try to space them out to allow them room to breathe and to live on the platform. I think that that's a smart idea. I think under um, under the previous leadership, before Bob Iger came back, uh, it they did kind of overlap each other a lot. You know, We had the movies and the shows and everything seemed to be sort of pushing forward pretty quickly through phase four and that's part of the reasons why phase four was kind of weak but i mean post endgame it was going to be hard to top a lot of those films a lot of the films have not come near the success of endgame aside from maybe shang chi and spider-man no way home but kevin feige's hopeful uh he thinks that we have at least another 80 years of content ahead of us for the marvel studios so which means i'm going to be watching these movies in the theaters until i'm dead so that's that's what he confirmed Another thing he mentioned, and he kind of name-dropped this, was that Bucky Barnes is going to be the de facto leader of the Thunderbolts and not Yelena Belova, as we were led to believe. 
So I guess that kind of makes sense in a way because Bucky is sort of the longest standing member of the MCU at this point. And Yelena, while she is somewhat of a leader in terms of where she stands, I could see her being more of a second in command to Bucky Barnes, uh, who's sort of, you know, Bucky in, in itself is a character that started as a villain and has redeemed himself as a hero and is still trying to, to move forward despite the fact that he's got a very tainted past. And I think that now he's sort of adopted this ragtag team of of former villains turned heroes, kind of, like much like the Suicide Squad, but they're just out to do good uh, in their own way, whether it means that they take on other vill- villains, take down heroes, whatever the case may be. We did get confirmation that, that Spider-Man 4 is being scripted uh, and they are, they've, they are working heavily on Spider-Man 4, which means that in the next two years, we may see Spider-Man 4 come out. We also got information that there are plans set in place for the mutants post phase six that we also got. But also he did say now that Fantastic Four is going to be like a tentpole. It is going to be a very important, or as he called it, a pillar going forward into the MCU. Because essentially when the Fantastic Four debuted in the comics, as he mentioned, they set up essentially a a much wider scale of stories that would move forward within Marvel Comics. And he's saying that that's going to basically retain the same value at Marvel Studios. So that's big news there that uh, he's confirmed for a lot of those projects. The biggest takeaways obviously I got from this was the, the importance of Fantastic Four. And obviously the Fox deal was very important, um, not only for Disney, but for Marvel in order to tell the stories that they want to tell. And to sort of be the place that if you can't really afford to keep up with the comics, you can at least watch versions of the stories in a cinematic universe. And then they're trying to interconnect those stories across transmedia, so television and movies. And then the other big takeaway, of course, being the fact that they are scaling back in terms of their production for shows. This may also be the case for movies. And we may, there's been rumors that we are going to see some delays in certain projects. And so I'd, I'd be open to delays. I think that, that the turnaround of phases at this point, it's like two years, two to three years per phase. And before, it took us four or five years before we got from Iron Man 1 to the Avengers 1. So I think that we need to kind of space it out a, li- a bit more and let those stories breathe and give them more time in the pot to really churn out and develop properly. One quick story that I want to drop here and... This, this there may not be much to this because it is sort of speculative, but or ET Online had actually spoken recently to Patrick Stewart, who he had recently come on and did a cameo appearance in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, reprising his role as Professor X post Logan, where his character had died in the film. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Logan, Professor X comes back in more of a look that is akin to the animated. X-Men animated series, sliding in on sort of a yellow hovercraft uh, wheelchair device. He did an interview with ET Online where he continues to tease his next outing as um, Professor X and possibly teases Ian McKellen, his longtime friend and who played the villain Magneto alongside him, that they could potentially be coming back in a future project. He had said, actually, it went very well. He did say something like, hey, I would have done this. Yeah, that's true. But we're not done. Sir Ian and myself, we've got plans. I think that he knows that he is basically on standby. And obviously, the big rumor is that both these characters could show up in Secret Wars, 
We've heard rumors that, you know, Hugh Jackman, obviously he's coming back for Deadpool, but he may make an appearance in Secret Wars. We got the return of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, both playing Peter Parker, Spider-Man in different universes. They may also come back for Secret Wars. They're completely open to coming back to play that character again, should the story be, you know, right. And Secret Wars seems like the best possible place to bring these different versions of the characters together. And Secret Wars, as it stands, is set to debut in the next three years. So they've got time. They've got time to, to, to do this. You know, by the time we finally get around to seeing Professor X on screen, Patrick Stewart will be in his 80s. Same with Ian McKellen. They'll both be in their 80s. They'll be pretty, pretty old, but it'll be a nice cameo appearance and probably a nice final way to sort of cap off their story. But after that, you know what I mean? Everything moves forward with what, what comes post-Phase 6, which is rumored to be the Mutant Saga, um, where we're going to have to see a new brand of X-Men and new people bringing in those roles. I like the idea that now Ian McKellen is is being pulled in to possibly reprise his role because I think, you know, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart were perfect together. There was sort of this like love-hate relationship between the two. And we got to see that relationship further developed in X-Men First Class and future films where you sort of see those two characters and how close they really were and how, where the rift sort of drew the line in the sand before the two of them. And finally, the one story that I have to talk about that is involved in the gaming space, and we're going to cap our show off with this story. Microsoft has confirmed uh, by telling the UK CMA that it expects to see titles see a decline in their base game sales for at least a year following the inclusion into the subscription service. They're talking to the UK Competition and Markets Authority following their provisional report on the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition. Uh, Microsoft did admit that by putting its games directly onto its Game Pass service subscription, that it is cannibalizing sales for those titles. They did not confirm the specific percentage decline in base game sales versus directly through Game Pass. That confirmation obviously runs counter to what Xbox head Phil Spencer claimed back in 2018, that Game Pass actually boosted sales rather than undermines them. So what he had said was that when you put a game like Forza Horizon 4 on Game Pass, you instantly have more players of the game, which is true. You do have more players to the game. And what he said there was, it's actually leading to more sales of the game. You say, well, isn't everyone just going to subscribe for $10 and go play this thing? But no, gamers find things to play based on what everybody else is saying. However, while he is correct in that it is turning more people on to playing the game, it's not necessarily turning around actual physical sales of the games. And so this has come out in terms of their report of, of them kind of following up with the fact that like, you know, they're currently under under investigation and they're currently looking into the Activision Blizzard purchase. Uh, and we're going to find out this year if the purchase does go through. It seems to go back and forth. There seems to be issues with Sony, and there seems to be issues with some of the regulators who are, are looking and seeing if this is going to be a legit deal. We won't know until it finally closes and people sign off on it and it's all good to go. But the fact that not too long ago, we got reports that, that Microsoft was laying off more than 10,000 employees. They're trying to make themselves appeal to the, the notion that they're going to need to to look a little weaker in in order to make this deal go through. I was listening to a podcast and I'm trying to remember I don't remember which one it was specifically, but they threw on throughout the idea because the big if right now with Xbox buying Activision Blizzard has been Call of Duty. It's been the fact that 
if they were to purchase Activision Blizzard, that Call of Duty is going to get taken away from PlayStation stores and people won't be able to play Call of Duty on Sony. And that is a, that is a fear. And that is entirely why Sony has been pushing back so much because Call of Duty is, it's huge on Sony. The podcast I was listening to, and I'm pretty sure it was Project X Talk that had mentioned this, one of their hosts had said this, that maybe if they were to split Call of Duty off into its own separate entity and have like its own developer develop Call of Duty separate from Activision Blizzard, the remaining games under the the library of Activision Blizzard would be would suffice the purchase for Microsoft, whereas Call of Duty can then continue to sort of run solo and it can be available on oh, you know what? It was day one patch. It was day one patch media. I'm sorry, not Project X Talk. They were talking about like making Call of Duty independent of Activision Blizzard may make the deal more attractive in the end for for Microsoft purchasing Activision Blizzard. But I don't see that happening because gaining Call of Duty would be a, a tremendous buy for Microsoft. But they have claimed in the past, of course, that Call of Duty is going to remain on Sony at least for the next you know couple of years. And according to past stories that we've discussed on this, the, the timing of how it lines up lines up perfectly with, for when the next console sort of switches over so to the PlayStation 6, then that would be when, if this does go through, Call of Duty then becomes uh, exclusive to Xbox. So again, as as we are awaiting the results and, and for this deal to finally get pushed through, which in the next couple of months, we're going to see what comes of this. We're going to see. We're going to see. This, this is either going to make or break Microsoft at this point, and they're either going to have to sort of you know, continue to do the way they're doing it and or Activision Blizzard will then get picked up by Microsoft and then we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. Um, that is basically it for all the stories that I have to talk about today, but I do want to move ahead to our poll questions and reviewing last week's poll question in which we talked about the um, Nintendo Direct and I wanted to talk to you guys about what you thought was the most popular uh, announcement from the Nintendo Direct. Uh, the answers that I had, obviously, were Tears of the Kingdom, Metroid Prime Remaster, Pikmin 4, and the Game Boy and GBA on NSO. So uh, with 50% of the votes, Metroid Prime came out on top over the 25% tied between Tears of the Kingdom and the Game Boy and GBA on NSO. Nobody seems to be excited about Pikmin 4, but I think if we had a wider spread, we would have seen some votes land their way. So Metroid Prime as something of a shadow drop on Nintendo is something that people are very excited for. So I feel like that's a very niche Nintendo community that's fairly excited for Metroid Prime. I'd say the votes could have easily gone towards Legend of the Zelda, Legend of Zelda, a Legend of the Zelda. But again, like, you know, this is just personal preference, I guess. Um, I, I did not cast a wide net with uh, the amount of votes that were put out. In fact, I think I may have only gotten like enough that to kind of, count on one hand how many votes I got so it isn't entirely an accurate representation of the wider Nintendo fan base because I do think that those numbers would sway more towards Tears of the Kingdom in terms of like favorite reveals or announcements but I think because of the fact that nobody was expecting Metroid Prime and nobody was expecting much like Hi-Fi Rush shadow dropped during the developer direct that so did Metroid Prime the remaster it fulfilled fans hope of Metroid Prime 4 possibly happening in the future, uh, or maybe doing the whole trilogy, you know, going on to Echoes and then to Corruption. So, you know, Metroid's back in a big way, and 
I have yet to actually look at the reviews from Metroid Prime to see how it holds up, but it looked really good. And I, I mean, I'm excited to take a look at it, especially on the Switch. That was a series that I definitely missed out on as well. Okay, so this week's poll question, we're going to speak specifically to the Flash movie trailer. I thought that was maybe the biggest story of the past week, in my opinion. Biggest trailer from the Super Bowl to have dropped. I want to know, are you guys excited for the Flash film after seeing the trailer, despite the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller? I know I hate the fact that I have to mention that, but really, there were people that were boycotting Ezra Miller entirely and saying that they shouldn't even be involved in the Flash and that they should just cancel the film. But now that we've seen the footage, we've seen the work put into it, and James Gunn has put his belief and his stamp of approval on it. Does seeing this trailer like get you excited? Are you excited for the film? You don't have to like Ezra Miller or the things that they've done, but are you excited for the Flash film as a film? Do you think it's going to hold up really well? So let me know. You can either answer yes, no, or unsure. The question will be available for the week, and I will read the results on next week's episode, so stay tuned for that. But that being said, I'm going to bring this show to a close. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, opinions on generally anything I find interesting. If you want to follow me on social media, here are a couple of places to do so. Uh, I do have a Hive account. I don't really use it at the moment. Uh, I don't actually know a lot of people who are using Hive right now because Elon Musk has not completely shut Twitter down. And I'm still getting a lot of my news from Twitter. Um... I found when I was using Hive, it was a little slow and buggy, so I kind of stayed away from it. But if you are there, feel free to follow me on Hive. It's William Outbreak. As well, TikTok and Redbubble, you can search William Outbreak there. TikTok, I I do some videos, kind of keep to the trendier videos, but I am trying to put more highlights from the podcast up on, on the platform as well. So stay tuned for at least one of those a week. As well, Redbubble continuing to have those designs on the website. You guys can get them on t-shirts, on sweaters, hoodies, dresses, aprons, whatever the, whatever you get to your heart's desire. The, the world is your oyster. Uh, as well, this podcast is available on Twitter uh, at Podcast Outbreak. Search for the podcast there. But I am more prevalent on my personal Twitter account. Search at Will Key. That is spelled K-E-E. This podcast is available for distribution through anchor.fm backslash the outbreak podcast. And we distribute to, again, I did it again. We, like I'm, I'm two people in, in one head. I'm, I'm weird. I distribute this show to the masses, which includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Castro, CastBox. The list goes on and on and on, as you know. If you, if you guys have time and you are listening on one of those platforms that allows you to put through a five-star review or send a review, please feel free to put one in. It would really help me. It helps me to get a little more push, a little more notice through the platforms. And if you have a review, if you're from the States uh, and you do post a review on something like Apple, uh, I'm unable to see it. But, you know, share it with me on Twitter, on Discord, Instagram, wherever you follow me. And uh, I will happily read it on the show and give you guys a special shout out. But again, if you're simply listening, uh, feel free to send a message wherever and say, keep up the great work or whatnot, or simply just stay quiet. I know I, I see the views go up when I get downloads for episodes. So I know that you're out there. The silent listeners, I appreciate you, even if you are not able to vocalize that you appreciate me back. I'm just the type of person that loves that validation. And I don't know, maybe that's an issue I should take up with my therapist, is that maybe you should not strive for constant validation. Just be happy that you're doing what you love to do. 
I feel like that brings us full circle uh, to our discussion we had at the beginning of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and have yourselves a great night.